Hello, everyone, and welcome to the daily newspaper analysis, which is brought to you by Lossico. So we will see the important articles for today. That is 18th November 2021. So today we have three articles for our discussion. The first two are from the Indian Express. The first one is titled as a crypto opportunity. So this basically talks about that how we can actually use the cryptocurrency in the coming times and how can it be regulated in the right manner. The second article is again from the regulatory framework for cryptocurrencies. Now, as we know that uh, the Supreme Court of India had removed the blanket ban from cryptocurrencies and even it had uh, asked the Reserve Bank of India to come up with officially uh, you know, possible or officially available cryptocurrencies as well. So, Prime Minister Narendra Modi today, uh, basically he chaired a crucial meeting on the way forward to cryptocurrency and related issues. And the current RBI governor, uh, Shakti Kant Das, once again raised the concerns over cryptocurrencies. Now, as we know that the Reserve Bank of India has not been very, you know, fond of the concept of cryptocurrencies, but keeping in mind the increasing pace or the increasing technology and the, uh, you know, the kind of society or the economic setup that, that is changing with time, cryptocurrencies will have to be adopted, maybe willfully or without, but yes, they will have to be considered by the governments for sure. So the RBI governor said that there are serious concerns on macroeconomic and financial stability. Now, when we talk about the macroeconomic setup, so this basically talks about the larger part of the economy, like for example, the GDP, that is the gross domestic product, is a concept of the macroeconomy, which basically has or that has a tendency to bring a bigger change in the economy and even in the terms of financial stability as well. So the regulatory approach towards cryptocurrencies is the, as following. So the countries are grappling with questions over the appropriate regulatory framework and are opting for different approaches. So as we know that different countries, depending upon their current currently available economic setup, have different approaches and different kinds of uh, you know outlook towards the cryptocurrencies. As we know that El Salvador has permitted Bitcoin as a legal tender and it has actually become the first one, actually you know uh, the, the very recent one uh, to do so, while China has imposed a blanket ban on all crypto uh, transactions and mining. Now here India somewhat comes in the middle of the two countries wherein we can see that El Salvador is extremely on one side of the uh, you know extreme side which has permitted Bitcoin as a legal tender and China is on the other extreme wherein it has put a blanket ban on the crypto transactions. India is somewhere in the middle wherein we do not have a blanket ban but still we do not have uh, Bitcoin or the, any kind of other cryptocurrencies as any legal tender. I hope you understand the meaning of legal tender. Basically, it is the legal way through which we can deal or we can actually uh, transact uh, in a particular matter. So the Reserve Bank of India had barred all banks from dealing in cryptocurrencies in 2018. But as we know, this was struck down by the Supreme Court in the year 2020. So the Indian government is likely to introduce a bill on cryptocurrencies in the winter session of the parliament. And after that, the Reserve Bank of India would be given the work to bring, uh, you know, the legal tender uh, cryptocurrencies that would be actually officially brought by the government. So here are some concerns that are attached with the cryptocurrencies. Classification of the cryptocurrencies as currencies or maybe an asset or a commodity, it actually becomes difficult and the regulatory architecture and the tax treatment also becomes a little difficult as to how are we going to categorize or how are we going to classify the cryptocurrencies? Are we just going to put it under the name of currency or even an asset or even a commodity? So that is basically the kind of haziness or the confusion that uh, actually lingers around. Secondly, there is no underlying asset 
no benchmark to assess assess their values against now as we know that the concept of rupee had come you know uh, years ago and that is why we definitely had a benchmark to ascertain the value of the indian rupee when it was actually brought by the uh, government but here in the case of cryptocurrency it does not really have an underlying asset so that we can actually compare the cryptocurrency with and we can ascertain the value of cryptocurrency so extremely volatile in nature raise concerns over investor protection as well now because uh, definitely for those who actually uh, deal in the fiat currency that is a normal currency that we have in hand currency that is actually brought by the government right now that we use for such people also uh, being investors it is not easy to understand the concept and the transactions under the cryptocurrencies and that is why it seems to be quite uh, extremely volatile in nature due to which the protection of the investors might become a difficult task for the government and lastly the issues of money laundering and financing of terrorism are also there because definitely cryptocurrencies are easier to deal when it comes to in the dark net and even you know the transactions are based on uh, the uh, blockchain technology which definitely you know is very difficult to break and hack as well and this might be a good uh, thing as well but when it needs to be broken down by the government for Uh, breaking out the uh, financing for terrorism and money laundering then it might become an issue for the government as well now as we know that the cryptocurrency is basically we all know about it let's just go through the concept once again very quickly the cryptocurrency is a type of digital currency that generally only exists electronically so there is no physical coin or bill unless you use a service that allows you to cash in cryptocurrency for a physical token so the Uh, this kind of currency it works using a technology called as blockchain as we were just discussing and blockchain is a decentralized technology spread across many computers that manages and records transactions so the government could easily it could actually classify the crypto exchanges as e-commerce platforms because it is completely based generally it is completely based on the electronic means but doing so would also raise questions about who would be the appropriate regulator of these currencies let's discuss the second article for the day which talks about formalization of the informal sector now as we know that according to the periodic labor force survey as well and according to other data that is available in the economic setup and the employment system of the country approximately 90% of the people working in india fall under the informal sector now by informal sector we mean that it is difficult for the government to ascertain and understand the various kinds of nitigrities and also to evaluate various kinds of benefits that are provided to them informal sector are those which are difficult to tap and the government might not be able to reach out its policies in the best manner as it is able to do for the formal sector So a recent study by the SBI has reported that the Indian economy witnessed accelerated formalization under the distressed conditions of the pandemic and the lockdown. Now this is something that has come out like uh, the lining you know the silver lining in the black cloud that even after a stressed a phase of economy uh, we still have witnessed increased formalization under the distressed conditions of the pandemic and lockdown. so the report has also suggested that the contribution of informal sector reduced to 20% of the gdp in 2021 to around 50% over two year period so basically it has actually you know um, there is something that we need to consider here and that is why the date on informal sector enterprises has to be considered it says that the rbi the sbi uh, report has suggested to 20% of gdp in 2021 
So German watch, now this is a point of information here which needs to be noted down very carefully that which institute or which authority or which international body actually comes up with the Global Climate Risk Index. So the correct answer would be the German watch. So German watch published a ranking in the Global Climate Risk Index in January 2021. So basically this index is there to calculate as to which country globally is at what kind of or what level of risk due to the climate action or the climate change that has taken place. So the data ranks 180 countries based on the impact of climate on the socio-economic scenario of that particular country. The use of historical data cannot provide proper linear forecasts of climate risk and that is why we need to have the revised and the newly available data for the same index. So if we talk about the GCRI rankings, they're based on number of deaths, number of deaths per 1 lakh, per 10 lakh, sorry, and sum of losses in purchasing power parity and also losses per unit in GDP, that is the gross domestic product. The basis for selection of such macro indicators are also unknown, so we cannot really ascertain as to why these were cho chosen. And secondly, the index also suffers from exclusion errors and selection bias. Now, actually, these are the lacuna or the fault lines that have been uh, highlighted through this particular article, which actually exists in the Global Climate Risk Index. Next, it says that the index also relies on weather-related events like storms, floods, and mass movements, but it very comfortably omits or it very comfortably neglects the geographical factors like earthquakes, volcanic eruptions, and tsunamis, which ultimately have a great you know, impact on the, on the basis which are used for these rankings, be it the number of deaths, be it, uh, be it you know, the losses in the GDP and everything like that. So the data collected by the Munich Ray and Ray's NatCat service is not validated at ground level and thus this data cannot be really, it is saying that cannot be considered that this is the only the whole and sole data that is available in this direction. So here the article also presents as to what can be done to set things right. Any discussion on climate change is incomplete without accounting for three things. Firstly, uncertainty of the event. Second, the scale as to what has been the level of any particular climate uh, change that has taken place or any kind of calamity that took place. And thirdly, gap between action and response to the climate change as to which country is how much responsive in a particular climate change scenario. So the metrics of the National Disaster Management Information System, on the other hand, includes all major climatic events. And that is why this, the, uh, the National Disaster Management Information System, would not fall in line with the data or the uh, results of the Global Climate Risk Index because it does not include a lot of climatic events, as we just talked about, like earthquakes, volcanic eruptions, tsunamis, etc. So the NDMIS also monitors the targets set by the Sendai Framework of disaster for the disaster risk reduction, which is actually not done by the GCRI. So yes, that was all for the day. Thank you so much for staying tuned with Law Seco. If in case you like the discussion, please give it a thumbs up. And if you wish to download the PDF of today's slides, please make sure that you are participating in our Telegram channel. The link to this channel is available in the description box below, or you can simply scan the QR code that you can see on your screens right now. Also, for other crisp and exam-oriented content, please do not forget to follow us on our official Instagram channels for Law Seco Judiciary, CLAT Prep, UGC Net, and Law Finance exams. Thank you so much.